What's up, everybody? Welcome to this bonus episode of Comic Book Nation, the only show that does it all for geek culture and the official podcast of comicbook.com. Today, I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and I am joined by my co-host, Connor Casey, and one of our comicbook.com, comic book slash all-around culture experts, Mr. Russ Burlingame is with us. And we needed to pull in Russ because, as you can see, he is one of our top experts on all things DC Comics. This man was single-handedly just holding together our Arrowverse coverage for many, many years. And so it's only appropriate that we bring him on to join us for the discussion of the day. Uh, our bonus round topic today is the casting of the DCU Supergirl. So this has been a major kind of Hollywood headline-making Hollywood casting that was taking place. We got a short list a couple weeks ago. That short list consisted of House of the Dragon star Millie Alcock, uh, Meg Donnelly, who also voices Supergirl in a lot of the current DC animated projects. And, and I'm just, I can't believe the Coda, star of Coda, and I can't believe I just, Amelia Jones, the star of Coda, who these were the final three ladies in contention. We got word yesterday it's going to be House of the Dragons, Millie Alcock. So, I've got to kind of recuse myself from this first question because I wrote a whole comic book article arguing for why Amelia Jones would be the best choice. So I kind of put myself out there and obviously I didn't get my choice. I was never mad at any of these choices, but obviously for me, I had a lot of reasonings for this other person. So I'm curious, Connor and Russ, how did you guys feel about learning that we're not only getting Millie Alcock as Supergirl, but Millie Alcock is Supergirl in what will eventually be, we'll talk about this, her solo project as a solo project as complicated and important as Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow. I really, I was excited about the idea of any of these three women. And so it's, it, it's kind of a cop-out answer, but like it's having an answer and having a sense of where we're going to go forward is nice. Uh, the the only thing that is kind of a bummer is that it obviously would have been nice to have Donnelly's continuity. She just she literally is voicing it in crisis right now, and you can go from uh, the old animated universe to the new live action one. But uh, that's uh, microscopic level nerd stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean there was there were so many good reasons for all three. Obviously, Millie Alcock is super red hot after her time on House of the Dragon. She was, you know, a blonde, blue-eyed lady, visually the most one of the most easy actresses to imagine for the average person to imagine in that role. Plus, they saw her play this very complicated princess character in House of the Dragon. Again, these are easy leaps of logic for any would-be internet casting director. Uh, that's not a real casting director, by the way, guys. That's just people on the internet. But uh, mm -hmm. very recognizable. Meg Donnelly, like you said, she's voicing, she's going deep into Supergirl, you know, mentality right now to play Kara, who's a very pivotal character in this Crisis animated trilogy. So she's doing the work right now. And then you have Amelia Jones, who I wrote about, who has put together this, like, insane career and has the most extensive kind of filmography and most, kind of acclaimed filmography she's going from like oscar projects to genre projects to just kind of in and nailing it each time so they were all three very strong candidates connor you were part of i know russ told us before the show he didn't watch house of the dragon but connor 
we we consigned you 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 were roped in with the rest of us on comic book nation into uh doing some very close house of the dragon recaps so how do you feel about this one so of the three she was the one i was most excited about cope you made some great arguments for the other two my thing with millie was that it made the most sense business-wise she has the 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 stardom coming off of house of the dragon but it's not like these projects would directly interfere with that because she's already off the show. They already aged her up to the new actress. Um, th- th- this one made sense. She's 23 years old. She's got a bit of heat behind her right now coming off of her last project. And it's not like she had five more film and television products projects lined up coming out of house of the dragon. She's a free agent effectively. So they're able to lock her in. You've announced it early enough to where she can be on set for Superman Legacy, pop up in that. She'll do Woman of Tomorrow. And then, you know, she's young enough to where 10 years from now, she's still a big player in this. So I, I got no complaints with this one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Millie Alcock is currently 23. Uh, she's 5'5", five five, which is, you know, that's pretty good. Uh, not She's not the tiniest of, of ladies. She's kind of in the middle. Um, and like you said, yeah, she, I could see her being freed up right now, being a franchise player for a long time to come and obviously has kind of the appearance and looks, uh, we know that we're, we're long past hating on a British super person because Henry Cavill, you know, he cracked that ceiling and got us over. And, uh, so I'm not hung up on anything there. Like, yeah, I mean, I want to make this more controversial than it is just because DC, you know, like DC castings. Uh, But this one, we were always kind of safe no matter where this, where this landed. So I, I, even though I wanted Amelia Jones and I thought she would be kind of good for like the dramatic depth of, of what goes on. I don't think Millie Alcock is at all incapable of navigating that. If you can navigate the family dynamics of house of the dragon, you can do anything. So, yeah. all right. So we're good with this one. We're good with the casting. Let's talk about kind of what's happened since. So ever since the casting came out, we've gotten reactions from two important people, DC studios, head James co-head James Gunn and Tom King, who wrote friend to our show and who wrote Supergirl woman of tomorrow and is involved in the movie, but not, directly penning the script to the movie let's be clear about that so let's go with what gun said gun heard the reports and said this is accurate millie is a fantastically talented young actor and i'm incredibly excited about her being a part of the dcu yes i first became aware of her in house of the dragon but i was blown away by her varied auditions and screen tests for supergirl she embodies kara as envisioned by tom king bill Quist, and anna no anna noguera who is the script writer for the film, Anna. Um, so, I mean, that tells us just a tiny bit. It tells us that, like, Millie Alcock didn't just walk in here and, like, rest on her laurels that they really did, as the short list and, and the reports kind of suggested. They put her through the test. Like, she actually went in there multiple times, did the screen test, did the auditions, and earned that spot. So, she's bringing something to the table right there, right? So... I think the very hands-on casting process that Gunn has had combined with his, like, whether or not you are the biggest James Gunn fan in the world, I think one of the strongest things in his movies is 
casting. Dude does not miss. Mm-hmm. And so to me, like his very hands-on approach and his track record of success kind of tells you that like, okay, we're in good hands going into this. Uh, the only thing that was really interesting about all three of the finalists to me is that they felt really safe. And so to a big extent do Superman and Lois in this movie, it makes me feel like after all of the controversy and all of the everything of the last 10 years, Gunn is trying to get his universe off on like the easiest, most straightforward footy can. Yeah, I don't. I'm sorry. Go go ahead, Connor Cook. No, Russ, you, you nailed on the head as far as Gunn doesn't miss with casting. This is a guy that looked at Dave Batista, who was getting small bit parts in action movies, and said, I'm going to make you the comedic backbone of the Guardians trilogy, and it works. This guy took Pete Davidson and said, I'm going to put you in a Suicide Squad movie. And everyone's like, what are you doing? And, and, and the punchline worked. Like, this guy does not miss when it comes to casting. So with this, I'm fine. The real question I've got for you two is, Having not read uh, Woman of Tomorrow, the Tom King run, does mm-hmm. she fit into what Tom was trying to do with her character in that particular story? Um, as I wrote in my article about Amelia Jones, I was saying the thing, because uh, the first part I said was just presenting who is Supergirl in Woman of Tomorrow. And the answer is she's everything. That's kind of the point of Woman of Tomorrow. It's almost told in anthology chapters, and each one deals with some other aspect of Kara and her personality, her psychology, um, her kind of emotional story. And so it's literally like, it's everything. That's the point of the story. She's fierce and violent and angry and compassionate and vulnerable and and never gives up and kind of invulnerable in, in the way of a spiritual fortitude and never giving up never gets depressed, but never suffers injustice and just lets it go or turns a blind eye to it. Like it's everything. So you've really got to be able to convey that level of complexity to a female character and one who also has superpowers on top of that. Cause it's a big part of the story. Also superpowers doesn't mean the same thing for Supergirl that it does for Superman and kind of what you do with that power. Is it the same? And so yeah, it's complex, and that's what makes it wonderful. Uh, it, it's more complexity than any, than arguably many creators have ever given Nakara in her story and, and kind of mapping her psychology based on the actions or the or these based on the kind of context of her lore and and what that feels like for her and like all of that stuff. So, yeah, you need somebody who can go all around the bend with it and if Billy Alcock went in there and just really showed that off, it means that like, yeah, she, she probably just nailed all those things. So, you know, good on her. I mean, that's hearing she auditioned and did all that is probably the most validating thing for me about whomever got the job. Like it's, it's not an easy audition. I would imagine. I think to your point, the fact that the word gun used was varied speaks volumes like i i adored melissa benoist's take on Kara, but it was very much a consistent take like they didn't ask her to go outside of her comfort zone all that often she basically just nailed that tone uh whereas woman of tomorrow is asking you to be all things to all people uh it's almost like the superhero version of the barbie monologue uh, Mm. which is a great thing for us three men to be breaking down 
<laughs> we got it. We'll tell them what's what. No. <laughs> but uh, so to me, I think that that word varied was a very specific choice on Gunn's part to kind of acknowledge that this wasn't just like looking at the fact that she's a like a blonde warrior woman and being like, OK, we're good, that he asked her to do a bunch of stuff and that she was able to kind of turn out more than just one skill set in the additions. Yeah, um, I know that the biggest thing, and I, I lived, and I know, Russ, you were probably there too. We were in the 2010s during the DCEU casting process, which was a lot more volatile, when Gal Gadot got cast. And if you don't, if you were there and you were doing this job and reporting and in the Twitterverse, remember the vitriol that came with that casting. Namely, you know, every bro out here somehow thinks they're a female physique expert when when a lady gets cast in a superhero role but so i know that uh while people will be kind of respectful of millie alcock as an as a performer and and the looks i i wonder you know if we're gonna see the same thing about the physique have we already started to see that about she's gotta hit the gym type stuff out there is that going on i've been scared to look did anybody i haven't seen it I haven't seen any of it, but it's not like she needs to be like Elizabeth Debicki in terms of like height. Like she, Supergirl is never you know portrayed as this towering figure. So I, I don't, yeah. I don't think there's much of an argument to be made, even if even if the creeps want to. I think Gal probably helped that conversation a lot because even though there are still people who have that take, uh, it's like five percent of what it was when she got cast, and her absolutely killing that role allowed the the kind of more nuanced conversation of you know people with superpowers don't necessarily have to spend their entire life at the gym and have to look like lumberjacks because like their powers are doing a lot of that work for them <laughs> um, so yeah. i and also it helps that millie looks very much like the character as presented in this one specific story that is the basis for her film. Yeah. Agreed. Um, yeah. I haven't heard it as much, but I think you're right. Like I think a lot of amateur casting trainers slash trainers, you know, had to STF you when gal got on screen and you were like, Oh no. Yeah. No. Like the casting director knew mm. like Zack Snyder knew Patty Jenkins knew like those people knew, like we were just, looking at photos and fast and the furious and guessing, but uh, yeah, which was always absurd because I just remember writing at one time. I'm like, this lady's job when she wasn't doing this was like training Israeli soldiers. Yeah. Like she was the trainer for Israeli soldiers. And we're like, I don't know if you could be Wadera woman. It's like, bro, calm down. I, um, I just yeah. remember, I just remember the argument being for Gina Carano. And now I just think that oh. is such a massively dodged bullet. Or what's uh Megan? What's uh Megan? I forget that actress's name, but like she was almost Megan Gale or something. She was almost it in Justice League. Oh, in the, in, oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they did not let go of that. There's a handful of those actors who every single time there's a superhero role, it's like, oh well, yeah. let's just hire Alexandra Daddario, mm -hmm. and it's like, yeah. yeah, she's good, and she does look like a superhero in the sense that she's like a conventionally attractive white girl. But like the immediate knee jerk instinct to just be like, hey, let's cast that person as soon as a role opens up tells you that like there's not a lot of deep thinking going on in a lot of these conversations. 
No. Although I would still take her as Zatata. I think she'd be a great Zatata. No, I, I mean, she was she's in that terrific. Show. I'm not yeah. knocking her in any way. I'm just saying, like, the, the Is there fact a that it's every that. role. <laughs> I'm just messing around. Yeah. Um, so, all right. I think, I mean, this is strangely, because we're so positive, it's just hard to get any juice out of that. Tom King wrote, she's Supergirl and she doesn't give a blank about slings and arrows. Perfect casting. Couldn't be more excited to see Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow, the world that Bilquis built, brought to life by this incredible actor. Insanity. It started so small. Um, yeah, so Tom King is all in. And if if he's on board, I got no reason not to be. All right, let's move on to our second topic real quick. We got some new movie details. It wasn't just that we got the Supergirl casting. Like, we got Supergirl casting and then follow-up reporting that told us really where this film sits. And it seems to be sitting at, like, the top of the priority list over there at DC Studios. So just to catch everybody up, what we've heard so far, along with Millie Alcock's casting, is that this movie could ramp up to start production as early as fall 2024, putting it on track to possibly have a late 2025 or into early 2026 release, which would essentially put it right on kind of the heels of Superman legacy. Um, Yeah, we know we already went over. There's a writer and we heard that, you know, we might not have to wait for women of tomorrow to get, start seeing Millie Alcock show up on screen. It's been said that Supergirl will be appearing in, and it's quoted and specifically noted that it will be multiple DCU projects before we get to our uh, official Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow film. Sorry, my brain froze. So, what do you guys think about that? Oh, I uh, before we get into all that, I missed the topic. I wanted to just say... I wanted to say that I want to be really super duper interested to know if she also did auditions alongside David Corrin Sweat and if they had them have any interplay there. Because while it's not a huge deal breaker, obviously, but the interplay that people are going to want to see maybe at first is somewhere along the line is Supergirl and Superman, right? Yeah. There were trade reports, I think, last week that – the uh, the final stage with these three women was involved coming down to the legacy set and reading with uh, Superman and Lois. I don't know. I don't. I don't remember what trade I saw that in. And so you know, take it with a grain of salt. But I assume that that's probably accurate because they haven't cast anybody else for Woman of Tomorrow yet, and so it just tracks. Yeah. Yep. So all right, I'm be interested to see how that went and. I mean, she like, again, I, I would think that was the other thing about Millie Alcock is she was just so electric on screen and going against some really talented performers. Right. Like if you could steal scenes and from Matt Smith, like that one episode of House of the Dragon, we don't want to think about. Um, but you, you, like that's no small achievement for your charisma and chemistry abilities as an actress. So. I really want to see what kind of dynamic Gunn has created for this version of Kara and and Clark and Lois too and anybody else who's in the vicinity. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm really kind of interested. Like I would like to see what Jimmy Olsen meets Supergirl. Like these these versions of these characters would be kind of hilarious, right? 
She right, was so, the only person from the Reeve movies who carried over into the uh, Supergirl movie in 84. <laughs> wow. See, this is why we have you, Russ. You were like, <laughs> well, what are you bringing me on? I was like, I need your knowledge of all this. Stuff. And they were reading Incredible Hulk comics. So it was a weird Marvel crossover. Mm. Man, we do not write enough about this stuff on comic book. This is what we should be doing <laughs> with our time. Um, all right. So back to the uh, reports. Where do you guys, what do you guys think about how this positions Supergirl in this new franchise? And where do you predict we see her prior to this movie? And let's just say this movie comes out in 2026. Let's push it to the furthest expected point. Where do you think we see her show up? I have to imagine it's a cameo. This this movie's busy. Like there's a lot of characters from a lot of different parts of DC all popping up into this at once. And on top of that, you've got to nail the the Superman and Lois dynamic and whatever his first villain winds up being. I don't even know if we do we have that confirmed yet, Russ? I think the engineer is the villain as far right. as uh the discussions that we've heard so far. If I had to guess, we're going to see some other person. Rumors early on where the Brainiac will have a role. Um, you've got her. You've yeah. got whatever um, the authority winds up being and how it plays into that movie. You've got Lex. Like th this movie, there's a lot here. So it could be a phone. It could be a video phone call. And she's like, hey, I'm going off into space. I got to go do something. And that'd be it. I will yeah. say uh, I worry a little bit about the number of characters involved. But I did uh, about six months ago to go out to New Jersey for a script reading of Kevin Smith's Superman Lives, where he and a bunch of actors read through the script. And one thing that I noticed in that movie, because that movie had Batman and the Suicide Squad and a bunch of stuff in it, but it was just the death and return of Superman movie. Uh, I was surprised how intuitively the characters were introduced, how easy it was to just kind of like see them, enjoy them and forget them. Uh, so I think if you don't get too, too hung up on the mythology of it all, which I think was the big problem with BVS was just like things happening for the sake of them happening. Uh, I think that there is a fairly easy way to like put all this stuff in here and not feel like you're too overloaded and not feel bloated. Um, the big question that I had kept from, from that report that Kofi read was the word multiple is interesting. Cause to me, the only things that we know for sure are coming before Supergirl are legacy and creature commandos and possibly either Waller or Peacemaker, but I feel like probably not both. I, I'm, so, I'm wondering about the connection of both. There's a lot of things mm -hmm. I'm wondering here, but yeah, go ahead. I, I, all I was saying was the word multiple is therefore interesting because like multiple suggests more than two, which means more than two of those things have to exist first. I still, yeah. I, I'm still on the train that the authority is secretly a Superman sequel. And who better to call in backup than your cousin? Yeah, I, that'll be yeah. I also have theories. I have a big theory that I've always been cooking on that because they're doing Brave and the Bold, and this movie is called Superman Legacy. I have this kind of wild theory that it's, and they've said the stuff about All Star Superman, which is basically telling stories about Superman as a myth. I feel like Superman Legacy is going to be more of looking kind of back. I think it involves more about John than we think. And that like a lot of this framework is kind of teaching John about who his dad is. Mm -hmm. And I know that Gunn has, is doing this with deep personal connections to his late father. So like, I feel like that's secretly what this movie kind of is them is 
John's coming out story in not the, you know, sexual sense, but in him figuring out now, oh, crap, I, I have this huge responsibility. How do I deal with that? What, what is my responsibility to the world? These things like a kid today might be freaking out about and anxious about. And it's his parents kind of, or Lois, who was, you know, first and foremost, one kick-ass storyteller being sitting him down and being like, here's who your dad is and why he is and how he is and what it does for people, world, even the villains. And, you know, John's got to do this in a context where people like the engineer and the authority are out here and are more attractive to a younger generation who thinks, oh, my dad's just some old fuddy-duddy. And kind of getting that kind of opens up the room for you to do all that heartfelt core Superman stuff, a father-son story on multiple levels, you know, Lois as the stuff we loved from Superman and Lois that gives you the modern depiction of who these people are as parents, all that stuff. So I think it's more about that than than gun lets on because he just doesn't want people to be out here like no you can't have john and john must be this or there must be two of them like the sh-, you know all that stuff but i think like so i think like when we're going to be getting this it's like russ said it'll be the stories will be starting from a point when things are established but the stories are about how superman similarly had to go through those same questions and figure it out so you get classic Superman, modern Superman, and because we're in there, it's essentially the present action is in the modern times. Yeah, you have an entire world. It's like you walk by and Lois can call up and be like, Kara, tell him this story of blah, blah, blah. And Kara flies and she's just like, oh, my God. Yeah, that one time we were on Alpha Centauri, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, Clark had to do X, Y, and you can do it that way. Right. And that's the kind of thing Gunn loves to do. He loves those kind of narratives within narratives start mm-hmm. stop in like jokingly have a flashback story that gets interrupted when a character, an eccentric character is just like, yeah, you know, something happens again. So that's been my theory. I have no proof for that. I'm just a wild guy who spends too much time on the internet, but yeah. Damon in the comments this one time on world world. Yeah. Yes. Like exactly. That kind of, exactly, There's two yeah. things that would be really interesting about that. If that were the case, which I, you aren't the first person I've heard speculate that that's why legacy is the title is that John is heavily involved. Um, the first thing is that, uh, Dan Jurgens and Lee Weeks's Superman, Lois and Clark from about five years ago is a really great, beautiful story, but it's structured very much like that because Superman at that time was like incognito. And so he had single issue adventures that culminated with John finding out like, holy cow, I have powers in my dad's Superman. Uh, so like that, if that's the case, that, that miniseries could be very much a blueprint for how to do it right. Um, but the other interesting thing about what you're talking about and about the idea of almost serializing the movie as a way of explaining all these characters being there is that the, the Reeve movies had, they all had those montages. Uh, like I heard somebody, I think it was Mike Bailey from, from crisis to crisis, call it the super feats montages where you see him do like a bunch of cool, fun stuff in the space of like two to three minutes. The closest thing we got in Man of Steel was the flying scene. Um, But something like that kind of writ large could take up pretty much a whole movie if it was to happen the way you're describing. Yeah, people in the comments said that uh, Marcos Mora, shout out to uh, 
everybody in the southern part of the world who loves this show we love you guys especially brazil brazil's been turning up lately for this show so shout out to everybody but uh said the gun said there isn't flashbacks yeah filmmakers say a lot of things and they're very particular about semantics so like yeah we might not get flashbacks but stories is something we could easily get right like i don't think it would be cheesy because flashback is kind of a cheesy thing in a thing but i think it's different when you're kind of framing a movie as a set of stories right those aren't flashbacks it's almost like little histology vignettes which at minimum i do think starting this as not an origin story but as a story where superman is established which is the thing they keep saying is that he's established and I think that doing that is going to almost necessitate an exploration of what Superman means to the world, because Superman isn't just another hero. He's the hero. And so yeah. if you're exploring a version where it's not like, oh, my God, that dude's flying, then you've got to explore a version where you explain how Superman is meaningful in the context of this new universe. And yeah. I mean, Chris Nolan will tell you, you don't have to have flashbacks if uh, the story is nonlinear. Yeah, exactly. So there's a lot of ways around that. But um, yeah, I think that's the point as Russ kind of nails it on the head. And I think that's why the engineer and the authority were early things. It's a way it's basically Kingdom Come, the soft modern version. Right. If you've never read Kingdom Come or Woman of Tomorrow, go read both those books. Those uh, go get those trades. You're really safe with them. Um then you want them in your collection. But Kingdom Come was the 90s version of DC, uh, DC's millennial existential crisis. It, like, it was the will classic heroes. Yeah, it was will the classic heroes still matter in a new age? And, and, you know, that whole story. And where do the young generation take their legacy from? And who do they take it from? So I feel like this could be a lot of that same ideas at play. I think even more on the, the on the nose is uh, what's so funny about truth, justice in the American way, which is a standalone issue of action comics written by Joe Kelly from Man of Action, but which got adapted into the animated movie Superman versus the elite. Mm-hmm, and yeah. when they were first introduced, the elite was literally like stand ins for the authority. So. With no established mythology for the authority, you could bring them in to just do the elite's job. Oh, we've said Manchester Black is getting cast in in this movie since the beginning. You have no idea how vindicated I feel (laughs) because when they announced the DCU lineup, I pitched. I said, the authority is just Superman versus the elite. And everyone (laughs) went, ooh, now the experts saying it's happening. Yeah, I I mean, I'm not saying it's happening, but it certainly makes sense. And and it's fun to speculate about that kind of thing. If they're doing their jobs right, all of our speculations will be wrong because we shouldn't be able to write their movie for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I do think like looking at how closely they're hewing to the comics in certain things like adapting an entire Supergirl movie straight from one miniseries, uh, you can probably make some educated guesses based on things like that. Yeah, Um, we got to close out. But I think Gunn realizes the difference between DC and Marvel, which is. Marvel has great characters to mine because they're all so messed up and conflicted and they're not godly. They're, they're human. They're flawed. So that makes for great like TV and cinema. DC has a lot of great stories and always has like complete story arcs that stand the test of time and are just reinforcing themes and ideas that just were really well done. And that's woman of tomorrow. Um, and so like, yeah, I think Superman versus the elite and, and everything in there is, 
going to be also at the center of this is like, why does this old fashioned hero need to be not just an example to the world, but to other heroes versus these other people who have other ideas and how does Superman not beat these people down physically, but spiritually get them to kind of come around is the power he has. So yeah, I'm really, I'm really interested to see, but I think we are getting a Manchester black casting. I feel like I don't want to write a movie for gun, but he knows the, the stories that work. And I can't see James. I will be disappointed if James Gunn of all people doesn't take Manchester Black out of the toy box and be like, "I'm playing with this," because those two just seem destined to to be linked in some form or fashion. So, all right. Uh, anybody got any kind of parting thoughts? This has been a fun discussion. I could geek out with you guys all day on just the poly- potential things that are going to happen in the DCU. Um, Russ, do you have any parting thoughts? My biggest thing is that I think the this revelation that Supergirl is going into development essentially back to back with Superman is a really good sign for something that Gunn needs to do, which is that Gunn needs to be decisive and have a roadmap. A big problem that DC has had over the last five years is that post Justice League, every time like a door slammed too loudly. Everybody at Warner Brothers threw all the cards up in the air and said, let's start over again. Uh, the idea that they're they're like, okay, our second movie is going to be essentially a spinoff of our first movie means that they are going to stand by Superman Legacy and they're not going to immediately start trying to backtrack if the movie doesn't make a billion dollars. Yeah, that's important. Like, I hope somebody had the kind of sobering conversations to make everybody finally realize, like, if we get, we got to go backward. If we get over half a billion, okay, do not spend accordingly. But if we can get over half a billion, yay. Let's just put that as the new benchmark until this thing ramps back up again. So, yeah, I will say the the idea that was floated like five, ten years ago of we're going to make a justice league movie for $150 million. And then next we'll do some other weird little movie for 50 million. That doesn't have to be a billion dollar movie to succeed. That was like a thing that, that that came up. And the idea was we'll do doom patrol and suicide squad and booster gold and all this on the cheap. And we'll be able to make a $200 million movie, like make $200 million from a movie and turn a profit. And that evaporated immediately because they did suicide squad and they wanted Will Smith. And it was like, Oh, well this is a real movie now. Um, I do think cost management is going to be huge in the DC universe, not just because I think Gunn is really good at bringing in movies on time and under budget, but also because movies aren't making a billion dollars anymore. You can't go in saying we're going to spend flash money and just assume it'll be okay. Especially for Supergirl, like no offense to Supergirl, but like just because you saw Barbie doesn't mean like you're going to necessarily pull the same thing unless you earn it. So you, mm-hmm. you gotta still earn it and you got to invest like you're launching an IP, not trying to put out a super popular IP movie character already. I mean, you have that with Superman, you have that with Batman, but you, you got to go in hungry. So I'm with you on that. And people are finally, final thought from me in the comments, people are asking about director. Um, I don't think you, I think that they should learn from Marvel Studios in phase, late phase two, phase three, that got us gun. In TV and in indie movies right now, there ladies have been flooding. If you have not paid attention to the credits of your television shows lately, 
ladies have been flooding the zone in the last few years as directors, cinematographers, stuff like that. Find a talent that's been working on that screen and bubbling, just waiting. And Russo Brothers, that thing. Tap mm-hmm. her, be like, all right, here we go. You know, guns there. He knows indie. He knows blockbuster. Like he can be a good guiding hand and let that lady cook. So go into the TV pool. It is overflowing with talent right now and uh, female talent. So just, yeah, check that out. That's my recommendation. All right. Uh, we ready to do plugs? This is Comic Book Nation. We are the only show that does it all for geek culture. This has been our bonus episode just talking about Supergirl. But guys, we do so much more every week. Every Tuesday night, we have had Comic Book Nation's Riptide Radio, which is a Percy Jackson and the Olympians after show. The finale is this week. Be sure to check it out. And if you are waiting and coming to the table late and you're going to be binging Percy Jackson, be sure to go on the Comic Book Nation YouTube page and rewatch all of the recap shows where Liam Crowley sits down with not just himself and our talented experts, but the entire cast and crew of Percy Jackson has been rolling through this and they have big things ready for the finale. Every Wednesday, we have Matthew Aguilar doing the pull list where we talk about the biggest comics of the week, continuing storylines, new launches, the whole nine yards, and we recommend a bunch for you guys. Uh, Russ, we got to get you on that soon. Um, We also have this week, we're going to be doing working with gaming on Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League. DC is doing big things on the gaming front, and this is going to be something worth talking about, whether it crashes and burns or flies high, so we will be discussing that. And every Friday is the regular live show comic book nation where we literally go all over geek culture in one episode we can be doing tv movies marvel dc star trek star wars wrestling food games tabletops it's everything so we will be there subscribe on your podcast platform subscribe on our youtube page and we will see you out there check out comicbook.com dc because we will all also be writing about supergirl and much more in the coming days thank you for joining us we are comic book nation and we'll see you guys out there peace later